Welcome to the Denver Community Church Teaching Podcast. Whether you attend our 10 a.m. gathering on Sundays here in Denver, are just checking us out, or listen every week from far away, our hope is that by engaging with Scripture, together we can explore and participate in the life of Jesus so that we can be a healing presence in our world. As you listen to this teaching, allow it to begin a conversation between you and God, you and the Bible, and you and your community. If you have any questions about DCC or this teaching, you can email us at info at denverchurch.org. To get connected or find out more about what's going on in and around our community, you can visit our website at denverchurch.org or download our app by searching Denver Community Church in the App Store. And if you want to financially support the healing work we are doing as we invest in our community while setting aside 20% of every dollar given to support our partners locally and around the globe, you can text the words Denver Church to 77977. That's Denver Church to 77977. Know that spaces like ours can only exist through the radical generosity of those who call DCC home. Thank you for being here. Let's get to the teaching. Good morning again, Denver Community Church. Um, I'm excited to introduce our guest teacher this morning. Uh, Michelle Casas is back with us. She came last summer as part of our July season of teaching where we always have guest voices in, and I'm so glad she's back this morning. Uh, She's a pastor on staff with Westside Church International uh, and does a lot of work with that organization, serving that community, uh, not only the folks that call that church home, but the neighborhood surrounding, et cetera. There's a lot of work she gets to do there. And then I've gotten to know her a little better in the last few months. She's uh, helped facilitate a cross-cultural justice cohort uh, that we've been a part of as a church. And she's been leading that for us since October, I think is when we started, maybe. Officially. Officially, that's right. Um, And that'll go on for some months to come, but it's been a really important kind of learning space for many of us, uh, specifically around race and some DEI works we're doing. So uh, it's been great to get to know you in that. And um, yeah, glad you're here. I will say what I've gotten to know um, best about her is her passion uh, for Jesus, the Bible, and the church. Uh, And I know that's going to come through this morning. So can we just welcome Michelle to, to teaching this morning? Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. Um, Last July when I was teaching, I thought it all went great. My husband was here, and then I go downstairs, and I just hug him. I was like, did did that go good? And he was like, yes, but you said the verse wrong like 50 times. I was (laughs) preaching about Job, and I guess I kept saying, like, my, my eyes could hear you, but now my ears can see you, and it was just all confusing. So anyway, hope I get it right this time. Second, second time's a charm. Um, I know we, you, you've been going through um, a season learning from the book of Luke. It's my favorite gospel. I know he, he adds on, um, well, doesn't add, but like explains a little bit further than other, other, another gospels and and it's just so, so good to hear um, that you guys have been going through my favorite gospel. And um, I know last week you probably went through the teaching of the 5,000. Is that correct? Yes. And um, the passage that I get to teach today, it's actually one of the major turning points in the gospel of Luke. So I'm very, very excited um, 
to, to go over that with you. And well, last week you went over the, the miracle of the 5,000, and now it's, it's like a switching, switching moment. And if you see, there's kind of like this narrative that has been developing in the book of Luke. Um, Jesus started his ministry for a long time. He's keeping it secret in a sense. You know, every time he heals someone, every time he, he restores someone, makes someone whole, he tells them this far. He tells them, please do not tell anyone yet. And actually, the Bible tells us that he commands people not to tell anyone yet because his time hadn't come yet. Well, his time has come now because things are starting to be pretty public at this point in what we're going to be learning today. And one of the things that makes me really pay attention in this, uh, it's actually two or three verses that we're going to learn about today, um, is that this developing story has started with Jesus, you know, again, keeping it kind of like low-key um, in ministry. And then he, a couple of weeks ago, you know, you must have gone to, through the passage where he sends his disciples to teach, to heal, um, to to preach the, the good news of the gospel. So it goes from this intimate, intimate group of people who know about Jesus to them being sent. So you can imagine that that amplifies and then there's more people that know about Jesus. And then after that, there's the 5,000 that know about Jesus, right? And it seems like this situation now, it's like crowds know about Jesus. So the, the idea of Jesus being in ministry, starting his ministry, it started developing to the amount of people that knew about him. Now, a problem with news being spread, news coming out to the public, is that sometimes the news don't accurately go from one person to the other, right? Doesn't have anything to do with today's life, right? <laughs> this is not relevant at all today, right? <laughs> and this, this was not the exception of what was going on there. In, I'm from Bolivia, born and raised there, and the word for gossiping in Spanish is chisme. And my goodness, the people love chisme. You know, people will be looking outside their windows like, oh, so-and-so's neighbor just came out super late last night. And then, oh, so-and-so is going to buy bread earlier than usual this morning. And so-and-so's dog, you know, it's limping, so I wonder what happened. It's like everyone knows about everything. The problem is that most of people don't know the accurate news. It's like a broken telephone type of a thing. And with Jesus' news, coming to the public, coming to the crowns, we can only imagine that that's something that could have potentially happened, right? The news are spreading, but what news? What kind of news are spreading? Today's title of, of this message is fake news or breaking news. And I want you to start thinking towards where we're going today. <laughs> Fake news or breaking news? Which ones are we listening to? I debated for like good two hours to share what I'm about to share today because no one in the public in the USA knows about this, but I will. This is a, a first time, a primicia, like we say in Spanish. Right before I moved to the US in 2017, this was probably a couple of months before that, I had a poop shower. That's right. You did not wake up this morning thinking you will hear that word at church. I did not do that 
for pleasure. I didn't do that because I wanted, I, I was bored. No, my country, my city actually was going through a really big drought. The biggest one I've personally lived in my lifetime. And people were fighting over where to get water. We would get water only two hours a week. And because they didn't want you to just keep getting water that whole two hours and just collecting it, they wouldn't tell you what two hours your specific neighborhood were going to get in that week. So then we would just open all the faucets, and then if the water came at 2 a.m., then we would just hear it, and then be like, okay, buckets. And my mom still laughs about that, because one day when we got water, she wasn't home, and when she arrived, I had filled every cup we had, every bucket we had, everything. So there wasn't any, any place to cook even, because everything was filled with as much water as we could. So with that, you can imagine people starting going through... Uh, violent moments, trying to get water. There were cisterns provided by, by the government that brought water to neighborhoods, but then people started fighting. You know, there were armed military men guarding that because it was getting, it was escalating. And with that, you could obviously not take a conventional shower at that moment. And this is the capital. This is the capital of Bolivia that this is happening. And my friend at the time, she was an American uh, missionary in Bolivia. She worked for a nonprofit, they are very well known. And she's like, hey, Misha, in our office, we have this water reserved, so why don't you come and take a regular shower, warm and nice? I was like, sure, that sounds amazing. Get in the shower, open it, start putting shampoo or whatever, and then immediately I feel like this awful smell. And then I, I open my eyes and I'm like, literal, you know what, is coming out of the shower. And I'm like, what? And I start screaming. My friend was outside. I'm like, come in here. And like, she's like, what in the world? Like, it just smells so bad. I go out. I'm like about to cry, but I'm like also shocked. And we open it again. Water, like bad water is coming out and eventually clears out. And she's like, try it again, you know, like just got to gotta clean. So I get inside again and the water smells like it's good. It's, it's all fine. And then a second time, guys. So I just, I'm just like, okay, I'm over this. I want to go back to my buckets back at home and just rinse this. And I remember using a full shampoo and a full conditioner to get all the smell that I had on me. Long story short, she started mentioning that to a couple of our friends. And the news pretty soon developed from there was an accident where Misha had a shower of you-know-what, towards some people saying, like, does she regularly do that? <laughs> towards, does she like that? Like, is, is, is there anything towards, like, I, I literally kid you not, I thought at some point people would ask me, like, are there any medical benefits of taking that soft shower? Like, should I write it down? Am I missing out or something? And that made me realize, man, like, gossip really, really distorts stuff. And the minute news are out, they're either going to be breaking news, real news, or they're going to become fake news. And there's still news. There are still news to everyone. And this is, not, this is not the exception. Jesus is going from this intimate group to the 5,000 to now crowds listening and hearing about who he was. So where we're at right now, it's in chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke. You can go ahead and look it in your Bibles if you want. And we're in verse 18. So after that happens, the Bible tells us that Jesus is praying alone. Another version says he's praying privately. And then 
his disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do, you, uh, who do the crowds say I am? So we've got Jesus after the miracle of the 5,000. The Bible tells us that he's by himself, alone, praying, but we know that his disciples must be at a distance because it says he was alone, but his disciples are at a distance. So they must have been looking, I guess, or like, you know, like some, some distance between them. And although he's, the Bible tells us that he's praying by himself, we know that he's not by himself, right? Because he's talking to the Father. I don't know how many of you may feel like you're in a very lonely place right now, but I just want to quickly remind you that the moment you feel lonely, you just need to remember that you're at the best company of the one that created you, the one that sustains you. And that even in the, if in the eyes of the world you might be alone, you are not alone if you are with the Father. And we get to do that so freely through prayer. So Jesus turns, you know, he's, he's in a position of prayer, which is pretty intimate with the Lord, and then he turns and then he asks his disciples, and he says, hey, quick question. After the miracle of the 5,000, you know, which is 5,000 men, means like around 25,000 people who become women and children. He says, hey, um, who are the crowds saying I am? You know, like what, what are the facts out there? What, is, what are the news there? What is the news that are spreading over there? And then the disciples reply in verse 19, well, some people are saying that you are John the Baptist, some people are saying that you are Elijah, and some people think that you're one of the prophets that ha has come back to life. And disciples, if you realize, they're not oblivious of what's going on out there, they're not oblivious of what's happening out there, they know just as much as you and I know what is being said out there, now it's way easier because we just need to click a couple of pages and then we know exactly what is being said in other countries, in other contexts, in other churches, in other societies, right? We're not oblivious of that. And the disciples weren't oblivious. They weren't like, well, actually, we didn't really ask. We didn't really hear anything. The news were really pretty much out there. And this wasn't the first time this was being said. Um, a couple of, of verses before, in the same chapter, but verses 7 to 9, Herod, the tetrarch, the ruler, already is saying the same words. He already sees so much disturbance, so much going on. He's like, what is going on? Who is this Jesus? And the Bible tells us in verses 7 through 9 that he's also hearing that some people think he's John the Baptist, some people think he's Elijah, some people think he's one of the prophets. So this isn't new news. This has been going around for a while. The disciples are just mentioning and repeating what they have been hearing for a while. And the only reason Herod knows that Jesus is not John the Baptist is because he decapitated John the Baptist. So he says, like, well, then I just sent his head to be cut off, so then who is this one? So he's, real, he's trying to process that information through his own facts, through his own vision, through his own human vision. So these encounters with Jesus, whether they were with small groups, whether they were with the crowds, whether they were, it was just with the disciples, these encounters were starting to draw towards conclusions, towards thoughts, towards ideas of who Jesus was. 
either John the Baptist, either Elijah, either others. People thought it has to be the way we think. It has to be one of what, it has to be the way we know things to be. It has to be how my mind is able to process. Then if my life and my events and my knowledge and my religion is telling me this is who Jesus is, then this is who must be. This is who it must be. And then Jesus interferes there. And he says, well, what about you? Who do you say I am? I believe this is the most important question you could answer to in your lifetime. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? And check this fact out. He asked the disciples, what are the crowds saying? And they're like, well, they think this and this and this and this. And he doesn't acknowledge it. He doesn't defend himself. He doesn't propose another idea. He doesn't correct them. He doesn't address anything. He couldn't care less about the opinion of the crowd in one sense. He turns around. He hears what they're saying, obviously. And then he's like, okay, fair enough. But what do you think? Who do you think I am? Jesus doesn't care what, other, what you think other people think he is. But he asks us, but who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? He doesn't ask you, who do you think your grandma says I am? He doesn't say, who do you think Google says I am? Who do you think Hollywood says I am? Who do you think your political party says I am? Who do you think your country, your government says I am? He asks, okay, that's, that's their thought. I've heard that. But who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? Is he really your master? Is he really your Lord? Is he really your king? Is he really the Messiah? Ask yourself. I need us to ask ourselves that question because science says that when we ask ourselves questions, when we question something, we obviously start thinking about that. And when we think about that, we're able to realize what our, where, where we're standing on that because we start verbally processing that. And when we start verbally processing that, we start living our lives according to that. So it develops. So I need you to ask yourself, who do you think he is? Who is Jesus to you? Because if you are accurately able to say who Jesus is to you, then you're going to accurately be able to live according to that. If you are not able to accurately see who Jesus is, then you're going to start living a life that's accurately wrong from who he actually is. So Jesus asked that. And Peter sort of responds for himself, but sort of responds for all the disciples Verb, uh, verse 20a, so the first part of the, of the verse 20, Peter answers and he says, you're God's Messiah. So in the, look, 
and in, in the in the Gospel of Luke, that's all the answer that we get, which is surprising because Luke tends to explain things further. But in this particular uh, verse, Matthew explains a little bit further of what that interaction looked like. So in Matthew 16, 16 to 17, Peter's answer is a little bit more, um, more explained, more extensive. And he says, you are the Messiah. Jesus asks, who, who are you? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus replies to that, blessed are you, Peter. Because this wasn't revealed to you by blood or by flesh, but it was revealed to you by the Father. You went right to the source, Peter, in other words. In other words, Peter, you are blessed because you didn't go by what humans think, who humans think I am, who the crowds think I am, who mortals think I am. No flesh or, or bones reveal to you this. No mortal revealed to you who I am, but it was exactly from the source who revealed to you. There was no chisme going on. You went straight to the source and you asked, hey, I saw your son coming back early, the living way, right? Was, is there anything wrong? Can we help in any way? Rather than so-and-so said that so-and-so said, and then this is what we think of you. If we're not careful, church, if we're not careful, we could be living a life based on someone else's idea of who Jesus is. If we're not careful, we will base our lives on what others think of who Jesus is. But this morning, I want to remind you that you have full access to the Father. All of us have access to the Father through Jesus. And it is the Father who revealed Peter who Jesus was, and it is the Father who's going to reveal to you who Jesus is. I want to play devil's advocate for a little bit because I truly believe this. I truly believe that the crowds mentioning that Jesus, maybe John the Baptist, Elijah, or one of the prophets, came from a good heart came from a good idea of like, this is what we know. These are the people that sort of like, you know, one made the way, the other one was taken, and we are thinking it's going to return, or it has to be one of the prophets. So this is what we know. This is, this is how we grew up. This is our culture. These are the news that we've been given. So this is what we think Jesus is. They had good intentions at head, but that, that didn't mean that they weren't wrong anyway. And just as much as today, we could have great intentions. The crowd around us in this world could have great intentions of who Jesus is. He was a good person. He was a good prophet, you know, and all sorts of stuff that aren't as nice as those comments. But the, the crowds are always going to be talking, sometimes with really bad intentions, but sometimes, and this is harder to discern, with really good intentions of who Jesus really is but they still could be getting it wrong if you don't go to 
the source. If you don't ask God, who is Jesus, Lord? Reveal Jesus to us. There's a term which, if you've been born before 1985, I'll mention to you what that term means. Everyone else probably knows, especially this row over here. I'm pretty sure they know what it is. Influencers, right? <clears throat> Influencers are people that use their social media to influence others on lifestyle, of um, culture, of thoughts, religion, politics, exercise. You can, I mean, I found the best recipes there and stuff like that. People try to influence one another there, right? Social media, it's so easy. It's so easy to be influenced by a crowd. But the crowd in Jesus' time, as much as the crowd in 2023, can rarely, rarely reveal to us who Jesus really is. We got to be careful. And I'm not here to tell you, delete your TikTok. I have TikTok. Delete your Facebook. That's probably the only way I get to still relate to friends back at home. I have that. I'm not saying those are intrinsically wrong. I'm just saying the crowd is speaking. The crowd is giving news. And they could be fake news. Just as much as it was in the times of Jesus. You need God to reveal who Jesus is to you. You need God. You need to go to the source. Because some of us have forgotten who Jesus is. And life happens, right? Life happens. I don't know what type of year you're going. 2022 was probably the worst year in my life in every way. I mean, if you had like a couple of hours, maybe I can summarize some of it. It was horrible. Life happens, and it's okay, and he's with us, and he cares about those things, and he doesn't neglect that or he thinks it's less spiritual or less holy. He cares about those things. But I think when it's wrong is when we let those things dictate and reveal who Jesus is. And then we let our events, we let things describe who Jesus is to us. So if I feel very lonely, then Jesus must not care about me. Then if I feel depressed, then there must be something wrong with me. Then my mortgage is not working, my marriage is flaky, my relationships are not okay, my finances are not fine, my spirituality is not doing good. And we have allowed circumstances and events to shape who we believe Jesus is. And we haven't come to the source most of the time. That depression, that struggle that you may be going through, that stubborn sin that we all go through, that marriage, that job, that trauma, that mortgage, that debt, all those things, all those things, cannot make you draw conclusions of who Jesus is. They don't have that power. They don't have that role. They're important and God cares about those. And I hope you walk through all of those with God because it's the best way to go through the valley, the valley of death that we were talking about this morning. That is the best way to go through that, and he cares about those, but those are not the source of where you get your idea of Jesus, who Jesus is. It doesn't have that power. Check how patient Jesus is. Check how patient he is when he's asking, 
the disciples, who do you think I am? This isn't a test of like, let me see if I can fail. This isn't to boost Jesus' ego. You know, let me hear it one more time. Who am I? The Messiah. Yeah, yeah, now I feel better. This isn't for that, right? Now if you hear me, give me a J, you know, give me an E. No, that's not about that. Jesus is not trying to boost his ego to hear back, oh, oh so do you really think I'm the, the Messiah? Let me hear it one more time. It's not that. He's giving, I believe he's giving the disciples an opportunity for them to realize where their heart is. Where their heart is. What is their personal stand of who Jesus is? Because he knows what the crowds are saying. It's no surprise. But he cares ultimately what you think, who you think he is. Let me tell you what fake news looks like. Imagine your heart being so influenced by this world that you have to let it describe to you who Jesus is. Imagine it is a person, a group of people, an institution, a political party, a nationality, and a specific race or culture that is having the ultimate voice and the mic of who Jesus gets to be for you. If that is your case, let me tell you you're hearing to fake news. Breaking news, though. Oh, the good news of the gospel are breaking news, guys. We've got good news. Imagine how we would broadcast that today, 2023. Breaking news. God is here. Emmanuel. Right? Hashtag Emmanuel. <laughs> God with us. He was born of a virgin. He cares about people. He heals people. He heals marriages. He restores relationships with God, relationships with one another, relationships with ourselves. He loves people. He heals. He restores. He who knew no sin became sin. So you and I could be called the righteousness of God. He's the Messiah, the son of the living God. He's not death. This isn't a death religion, a death relationship. You have an active relationship with a God that is very much alive. He's the good shepherd, the light of the world, the bread of life, the gate, the He's the way, the truth, and the life, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's Jesus. He's Jesus, and he's alive. Let me tell you, those are the breaking news. And he carried all your sins. He was pierced for our sins. He was crushed for our transgressions. I don't know about you, but I have many of those. Many, many of those that I cannot carry, that I am unable to carry by myself. And he gladly comes and he carries that for us. And not a little bit ago, we celebrated that on the third day, he resurrected from the death. And through him, you get to have eternal life, eternal relationship with the Father. The Father is not angry at you. The Father is not looking away to punish you, to shame you, or anything like that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I would like to invite some of the worship team to come up here, please. What if I tell you it is time? It is time to stop listening to the report of this world which many times 
it's the report from hell, honestly. Just check the news and it's like, where is the hope? And it is time for you to change the channel and start listening to the report of heaven. The report of the good news. The report of the breaking news of Jesus. Because if it is true, let's act like it is true. If Jesus truly is the Messiah, the Son of the living God for you, it's been revealed like that to you, then let's live according to that. If Jesus is the Messiah, then let's live our marriages like it, that's true. If Jesus is the Messiah, let's go to our jobs and work like that is true. If Jesus is the Messiah, let's lead our families like that is true, our relationship like that is true. And I'm not saying that you should put your own revelation of who you think Jesus is because it sounds accurate because then you will be acting just like the crowd. It is pure revelation. We have a full book, pure of the revelation of God. Do you want to know who Jesus is? That's the best source you can go to. That in prayer to the Father and ask Him. Ask Him. You know when God revealed to Moses to who He was? It's like, I am who I am. Pretty much he's saying, you know, I, I am who I am. Everything else, it's fake news. Only this is the, the real news, that I am who I am. That is who I am. Everything else that doesn't go alongside with that is just fake news. Might have great intentions, might have a great heart behind that, good ideas, good thoughts. It's still not the real thing. So I want to invite you to close your eyes now. And just in your heart, ask, ask God to reveal who Jesus is to you. Just ask him, Lord, who, who is Jesus? Who are you, Lord? Who are you to me? Because there's, there's three options I see here. Some of us, he's already revealed to us. He's already revealed to you. But we've let other voices from the crowd get in the middle and tell us who he is. The second option is that you've never heard that he was the real news. And I want to invite you to know him, to give your life to him, because he is faithful. And I can tell you, you will never find another source where you can hear the real news of the good news of the gospel that is not with God. And then there's a third group that I believe, that is that some of us have left, has left our events, the events of our lives, the situations, the pain, to inform who we think Jesus is. So if you're in any of those three groups, just let me remind you that Jesus is the ultimate revelation of the Father. He's the disclosure, the representation of who Jesus is. And Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So just ask the Lord right now, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us, would you reveal to us Jesus? Would you help us, Lord? Would you help us to stop listening to the crowds in our lives that may be people, maybe groups, maybe institutions, maybe other stuff, Lord? Would you help us focus on our, our eyes, fix our eyes on Jesus? Fix our eyes on Jesus.
our faith is placed on you, Jesus. Anything else that doesn't take God as our source of life is just an idol. So if you feel like you may have some idols in your life where you're getting your source, you're getting um, your, your description, your, your knowledge of who you think God is, repent from that. Repent from that. Lord, the Lord is good and He forgives. I know, Lord, many times I've placed money as my idol. Family matters as my idol. Relationships as my matter. It's been, it's been so much that Jesus has carried for each of us on the cross and He gladly, gladly takes it. What matters today, church, is who is Jesus to you? So let him be your peace, your answer, your joy. And see what he becomes to you. Those are the breaking news of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. May, Lord, may the Lord reveal that to each of our hearts and we walk giving the news from the source rather than from the crowd. Amen.